Businesses tend to focus on revenue, profits, and getting loyal customers. But how about healthy workplace culture? You're listening to How I Turned the Corner, where Kendra Prospero leads eye-opening conversations that most business leaders avoid. The right way to address employee challenges. Listen to real-life stories of workplace struggles, giving you valuable advice on what must be done to make every employee truly satisfied and fulfilled in their job. This is for leaders who want to create great company cultures and for employees who want to do something to put an end to suffering at work in the most practical ways possible. Here's your host, Kendra. I am so excited to introduce you to a very unique individual in an industry that is all too common lacking in anything unique. Tamara Philippe is the president and CEO of Bridgeway Capital Management, an investment management firm that stewards $5 billion in assets. They're based in Houston. One thing I know about financial services industry is that A, it is generally dominated by white men. B, they tend to not be nearly as generous with the money that they've made as they could be. And C, are not necessarily focused on the culture of their companies. Well, Tamara has such a unique perspective on all three of these things and has really taken the financial management industry to a new level. They have turned the corner to become an organization where they truly are all these things. Generous, full of servant leaders, and she is a woman of a very diverse team. Truly a leader of leaders. Tamara Philippe, welcome to How I Turned the Corner. I am so excited to talk with you about your unique culture, your amazing perspective on leadership, and also how maybe you and I can help some of our fellow CEOs think differently. Because if you can think differently in investment banking or in the financial services sector, there is no reason why every industry can't be better. Absolutely. Thank you for having me, Kendra. I'm so excited to to be here. And I always walk away learning just as much as I'm able to share. So I'm really looking forward to our conversation. That's great. Well, thank you. Well, let's actually start a little bit with an overview of Bridgeway Capital. I mean, tell us a little bit about your firm and the types of people that work with you and for you and you know, how many people you have, like just give us a little insight into what your staff looks like. Great. Well, you gave us a great intro. And I would just add the way we like to talk about ourselves today after almost 30 years is that we see ourselves as leaders in what we call relational investing. And that's the idea of uniting results for investors with returns for humanity. And that is the big idea that got me so excited and intrigued when I joined Bridgeway back in 2005. So I've been here almost seven 17 years and been president and CEO for about six. So I've worked with this incredible team of people and we've evolved and grown together. We have about 35 people today refer to everyone who works at Bridgeway as a partner. And that's, you know, we can get into that. We do all participate in ownership of the firm, but that's just one small piece of what we mean by being a partner at Bridgeway. It's really this special kind of relationship that we cultivate. And we have people from all walks of life, as you mentioned, a very diverse team by all measures. We simplify it down into cognitive and identity diversity. And we look for cognitive diversity, like personality types, life experience. We have accountants, we have 
marketing people, we don't know if it takes a rocket scientist, but we have one anyway. Our head of research (laughs) is a rocket scientist in his original undergrad and post-grad life. And then we also measure identity diversity, and you mentioned it, 67% of our professionals. So that's the entire firm identify as either a woman or person of color or both. And by our industry standards, as you mentioned, that is more rare than we would like it to be. So that's why we do appreciate the opportunity to share what's worked for us because we want to see more companies be able to achieve those kinds of metrics. Yeah, that's incredible. I love it. I mean, I have so many people in my circle that are in the financial services sector and that do not focus on this. And it's always just disappointing to me. I mentioned to you before, I sometimes feel like I'm kind of an island in the sea of CEOs and in the sense that I just think differently about work. And I think you and I really connect on our philosophy around what culture is and what work should mean. So can you share a little bit more about that? I mean, you've talked about kind of conscious capitalism in the past, as well as having a more conscious culture. Like, what is that for you? Yeah, well, it's really hard to sum it all up. You know, one of the things that I like to think about with respect to culture is that, you know, culture is how we do things at Bridgeway. And it's really created by this team that I have the great fortune to lead. And, you know, what I can do as a leader is really to listen and to allow this diverse group that we've brought together to identify the things that, you know, we really have in common and how we want to work together. One way that we've simplified it down at Bridgeway is that we ascribe to a servant leadership philosophy and that we are very intentional about providing tools and having regular development sessions where people get the opportunity to learn what do we mean by servant leadership? How do you do it? And what we mean very simply is how can I serve first? Leaders are looking at the people or the projects that they're leading and thinking, okay, my job is to support and help this team grow and to reach reach our outcome. It's not to dictate, it's to serve. So that's like the best way I could simplify it down in a short answer. And you know, I'm sure that there's more to elaborate on there, but that's something we're really focused on. Yeah, that's um, wonderful. Yeah, that servant leadership model is just, it's almost perfect, but very few companies really subscribe to it and live by it. Have you found any resistance to it when you've brought in new staff? Well, definitely what we find with new people is a curiosity, which is something we're looking for. So, you know, you can be resistant to it, but you have to be curious about it, right? So we're not scared of resistance because we think that's engagement. And let's talk about it. The biggest resistance we get is really a myth and a misunderstanding about it because some people think that it means, and we talk about this internally, the idea that of being kind versus nice. So some people think, okay, if you're a servant leader, that just means you're nice and you don't, Don't. you don't get the outcomes. I mean, the outcomes are crucial. I mean, our, our profits are the best way we measure about whether we're delivering value to our clients, which are, you know, really what we're focused on is delivering that value. But going back to kind versus nice. So the definition I like to use is nice is telling people what they want to hear and kind is telling people what they need to hear. And so we focus on a culture of kind because we tell people what they need to hear because we're all aligned behind this idea of striving for excellence, right? We believe what we're doing and trying to do is 
is really hard to do. You know, we work in a very competitive business and we have to think different to have different outcomes like you were talking about. And this is one of the ways that we see that we're thinking differently, that if our people are coming every day and want to go the extra mile because they're doing work that matters and they see how their work is impacting the outcome, then we're going to have better outcomes than the competition. And if a person is coming to work every day and they are able to bring their best every single day, then we think that that results in better outcomes as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So do you feel unique in this industry? We feel unique, but you know, our goal is to not be so unique for sure. Right. So, I mean, every firm has, you know, its own characteristics that set it apart. I think the investment we make in a collaborative approach is pretty distinctive. We do that in our portfolios. Everything we do is team managed. We even do it in the way that we lead the firm. I mean, I'm definitely a very collaborative leader and you know, I'm doing everything I can to listen more than I'm telling. And, you know, the gift that I have is to be able to listen and hear those common themes. That's what I believe my role is, is to be able to listen to a bunch of diverse perspectives as a leader, and then to be able to elicit out what is that common theme that we're aligning around? And how can I repeat that back out to the team and then help everybody see that vision and and stay aligned behind making it happen. So So you have a really unique definition of leadership in addition to being a servant leader. Well, let let me pause for a second, actually. And let's talk before I ask my question, let's actually talk about the generosity that you guys have as well. So it sounds like you're donating about 50% of your profits to organizations in need. Is that correct? That is correct. And that's been there since the founding. And, you know, I'll just elaborate on that a little bit. When I first heard about it, I said to myself, and this is before I joined Bridgeway, I was like, oh, wow, can a company do that? And, you know, I asked lots of friends. I have an MBA. I asked peers like, you know, have you ever heard of a model like this? Can a company do that? And you know, what I ended up concluding is, look, no one's done it yet, but if we can be the first and we can show and be just a case example of all the synergistic benefits of that, the kind of people that we attract, like everybody else is striving to deliver these great outcomes for clients. Like it's super competitive. People can have choices on where they work, but if we can not only be focused on our clients the way that our competitors are, but then have this added benefit that what you do every single day is also making a big impact in the world, that would be very hard to replicate or compete with. So that's, you know, the 50% idea was the idea of our founder. It's been there from the beginning. And we're very hopeful that, you know, the idea 50% may not be the right number for every company, but the idea that you can attract a different kind of set of people who, you know, want to align behind a common goal of delivering what whatever your product or service is and make a difference in the world at the same time. That team cohesiveness that comes from attracting people that are aligned behind that is something that we've seen really make a difference in our business. 
That's incredible. Yeah, I just love that. I mean, you've inspired me. I want to do that. I want to up our game on what we do now because of seeing what you guys are doing. So I guess some of the places you're donating to, can you describe some of that, some of the organizations? Well, you know, I'll summarize it because I mentioned that we have a very diverse team. We basically divide it into two major aspects of how we think about giving back. One of them is we had this thought that, okay, we want to all unite around one thing. And we established a Bridgeway Foundation that is focused on one very tough problem on this planet. And that's around the idea of ending genocide and mass atrocities. So we are aligned and united around giving back with time and money and support to the Bridgeway Foundation, who has some of the world's experts and is also collaborating in a servant leader way with other organizations to really make a difference in that area. And even the CEO of Bridgeway Foundation has written a whole book called To Stop a Warlord about some of our efforts to do some innovative things in that realm. The other big component of that we've learned about giving back that really fires up our team is that everybody has like a little personal passion. And some people start at Bridgeway and they're like, I don't know what mine is. We really encourage each person to think, what do I really care about? And so the things we give, we also do matching and what we call designations and we support people with time to get involved in things they really care about. And that's very personal. And we have a very diverse team. So the list is long and it changes, but people are empowered to get involved in organizations that really have made a difference in their lives. A lot of those won't surprise you tied to education. There are Mm -hmm. a lot of partners that are interested in education. There's a lot of initiative around this. A lot of partners who've come together, gone to other countries and served in other countries to help local communities with either a water project or maybe a, a cleanup project of, you know, a group went and did a cleanup project with an organization that had was trying to get some land prepared for a community service facility. Okay. And there's just a lot of diverse interests among the partners. And so there's a lot of organizations that we're giving back to in different ways. That's great. So what's your personal um, contribution? What do you like to provide? Yeah. So I have a lot of interest. I simplify it down. Me personally, besides you know, uniting around our common vision of ending genocide and mass atrocities, which I'm thrilled to be involved in with people who are just so creative and innovative and being able to work on a very tough problem. I personally, I've been involved with some of the educational institutions that I went to that made a huge difference in my life. I'm first generation college student. So that was like a real difference maker for me. And I want to give back to that, including a foundation where I serve on an investment committee where that gave me a scholarship to college. So I'm able to give back that way. That's incredible. Yeah. I have this entrepreneurship interest and I've been able to be involved over the years with an organization called the Prison Entrepreneurship Program that really helps give people a second chance and and take skills and interests that they've had and been using on the wrong side of the law and think about how to use that to better our world on the on the right side of the law. And so that's been very rewarding to feel like I can give back in that way. So that's two of them, but it all falls under the for me, a broad idea of how do I make a difference for social justice. Okay. Yeah, that's amazing. So with that, then I guess some of the things you do is work with high school students to with the scholarship program, right? Mm-hmm. And so tell us your definition of leadership and what you often hear from people. 
Oh, that is one of my favorite things. So as I mentioned, I got to be interviewed for this scholarship. And so, and I've been doing it for a few decades now. And so every year I still get to hear, or most years, what does a high school, you know, a top high school student think about leadership? And, you know, I love the answers I get. The most common answer that I hear is that we need to lead by example. And I absolutely agree with that. Like, I think that's so important. And that's a big part of my personal definition of leadership. But it was actually a scholarship candidate that gave me my the simplest definition I've ever heard, which is leaders need to know the way, show the way, and go the way. So I loved that. And I'm sure he probably got it from somebody else. But know the way, I think, along with leading by example, a leader has to be able to articulate a vision. A lot of times that vision comes from listening to the group and saying, where do we need to go? But at some point, that leader has to have a vision to go with the going the way is the leading by example and being involved in the execution. But showing the way is a big part of leadership, I believe, and is trust and communication and being able to communicate that vision and connect with people and empathize with people is a big part of earning that trust that leaders have to have because leaders have to have followers. So, you know, you have to show the way to the followers, you know, in order to go the way, even if you know the way. Right, right. Yeah. And I think also how you manage the setbacks too, because there are always setbacks. So do you have an example of a setback you've experienced in the past as a leader and how did you recover from it? Well, there's so many examples, Kendra. (laughs) How do How do we narrow it down? But, you know, I give a recent example. I mean, we are in asset management and, you know, certainly our world is like a roller coaster. The stock market goes up, it goes down. Many of us have worked in this business for a long time, but you never get used to it, right? You just learn to manage it better. We have a mantra at Bridgeway that that helps me during those tough times that mistakes are the jewels from which we learn and grow. And what I find myself doing, I learned that at Bridgeway. This started right after I was hired. It started with the person hired after me, but now we pass it to all new hires and it's a baseball and it has that phrase that I just said written on it. And we give it to each new hire and, you know, the previous hire says to them, like, this is what we believe in. We want you to know that mistakes are valued here because they're jewels from which we learn and grow. And, you know, just acknowledging like we all make mistakes and usually they tell a story about a mistake that they've made. And so that we kind of really make that a part of our culture. And then that new hire, they pass it along when they're ready to pass it along. Sometimes, you know, we hire people close in time and then it becomes this funny joke about, which also is in our mission statement of having fun about like, oh, well, you got to hurry up and make a mistake. So you pass it, you know, but but that. Sorry, I went on a tangent, but coming back to, yes, we all have setbacks. One of the challenges that I've had recently is that, you know, it's pretty hard. I mean, our clients always struggle when the market pulls back and staying the course. And we like to say the best equity investors think in decades, not days. But, you know, how do we say that creatively and differently each time in such a way that it inspires the right kind of discipline in our clients? And, and, you know, that's the hard job that we have. But I saw one of the things that helped me like recently. So we've had a pullback in our business and, you know, it's certainly something, you know, I was 
kind of getting down about it, maybe, you know, wondering, okay, are we working on all the right things? And frankly, I saw a, a video by a basketball coach that was talking about, you know, you just keep waiting for it to get easier. And it's not. What happens is you get better at managing hard better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I just love that. And frankly, it, it helped me kind of see things from a different perspective and be grateful for the opportunity to work through mm-hmm. these challenges. So, Oh, yeah. Um, In my early days of being an entrepreneur, I was, you know, struggling with cash as my, all, you know, new entrepreneurs do. And, and I remember feeling like, is this ever get better or easier? And a coach of mine said, just said something very similar, just to say, you know, you've got to get to a place where the highs are not so high and the lows are not so low. And so now I say it's like a, it's still a roller coaster, but it's more like a Disneyland roller coaster yeah. instead of a Six Flags roller coaster. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That yeah. other thing, you know, just going back to one of the things that I've personally learned in our servant leadership work, it, one of the tips and tools we have for a leader that I use pretty frequently is how am I contributing to the problem that I don't want? You know, let's say somebody's late with the thing and they said they would do it and, you know, they haven't done it. And I'm thinking, oh my gosh, how do I talk to that person? And what do I say? And how do I get them to deliver on what they've said? And then now I take an extra step. And, you know, when I'm doing well and I try to do, you know, be very intentional about this of asking myself, wait a minute, how am I contributing to this problem that I don't want? You know, can I identify, you know, were my expectations clear? Like, can I ask the person that, you know, was the deadline clear? Did I offer enough resources or did I ask somebody to do it that I'd already asked five other things of, you know? So Mm -hmm. it's a little bit of a process and a checklist that I do individually as a leader. And I would say we've made a part of our culture at Bridgeway by teaching everybody these tools and refreshing these tools on a regular basis, you know, through sessions, you know, a couple of times a year to really inculcate the kind of culture that we want to develop. Mm, Oh, I love that. That is, that is a great, great statement. I've never thought of it that way. That's Mm -hmm. great. So let me share with you something that happened to me while I was researching you and researching Bridgeway. I went through this moment where I actually felt like I wanted to be your customer. I mean, I was just like, wow, they are amazing. This is the kind of company that I want to give my money to. And I think that that's a kind of a remarkable experience that I imagine I'm not the only one, of course. And so for me, I saw that I've already heard you say that your culture brings in the right kinds of employees. You probably don't have the challenges others have with keeping employees and finding employees. So that's one big benefit of having these values so instilled inside your company. But another one is clearly what my experience was, which is that it's got to be bringing in more customers for you. Is that true? Well, I would say yes and no, right? So as I mentioned before, like it's a very competitive business, right? So we believe and we want it to continue to be a tiebreaker, you know, like all else equal. If we're delivering the investment excellence, which is the primary criteria that our clients are looking for, is do we have in terms of the kinds of investment strategies that we're offering, do they fit into the way that client has been advised to allocate their financial assets? So I would say that's the number one thing. And we're not a fit for everyone there, you know, inside their equity portfolio. But when we are, you know, so once we get that, you know, when we do meet that criteria among our competitors, all else equal, if you can get the investment outcomes and have these 
other outcomes, we definitely do get feedback that, you know, that's a difference maker. And more and more, we are doing a better job of telling our story so that people do know that part of Bridgeway. And they can have the feeling that you had where they are like, oh, okay, I get investment outcomes that are comparable to other options. And I get to work with the kind of people and be served more accurately, be served by the kind of people that are going to put my interests first and, you know, care about something bigger than, you know, all of us. And in a way, we're achieving those returns for humanity that I talked about collectively with our clients. And Mm -hmm. so that's exciting. And, but just full candor, I don't think we've told that story as broadly and widely and as well as we could have. That's a growth opportunity for us, a learning experience, because we've, you know, frankly, probably been maybe too hesitant about tooting our own horn or not wanting people to think that, you know, we're doing this for marketing reasons because we we aren't doing it for marketing reasons. We're doing it because we think it makes a difference in the world. We think it makes a difference for the people that work at Bridgeway. And because we think it ultimately makes a difference for our clients because the focus that we have to deliver those outcomes for our clients comes from, you know, that kind of commitment that we have to something kind of bigger than any one individual. Yeah. Well, and we do a lot of work with well, we work with a lot of different types of businesses, all small, smaller businesses that are growing. But one of the conversations we get into a lot is managing multiple generations in the workforce. And for sure, what we know about the Zoomers, which is what I've heard them be called now, the Gen Z, as well as then in Gen Y, the millennials, is that they really do want to work for an organization who care. And so that is probably something that will continue to be actually really important to be communicating out as kind of the boomers and generation um, X, probably our generation, start to kind of move out of the workforce. So yeah, I think it's really important. And it was really unique experience for me when I was doing that research. So I think there's something powerful there for you. Thank you. Yeah. Well, on that note, I want to just say thank you so much for your time. And you really inspired me as a leader to think differently about how I want to contribute back as well as, you know, really made me feel like I have a kindred spirit with you. So thank you for your time today, Tamara. Thank you, Kendra. And the thing I want to say that I just have so much affinity for you and probably all the listeners is this idea of staying curious. And we're always learning, you know, I really appreciate the opportunity. It seems like that's what you're doing. And there's so much more that all of us as leaders can do to have people feel like their work really matters and that it is something where they can come every day and really make a difference. And I'm trying to do that every day at Bridgeway. And I think the more that all of us work together to make that happen, that it's going to have just knock on benefits into the world, into our families and into our communities. Absolutely. Amen to that, sister. (laughs) Well, Tamara Philippe, thank you so much for joining me today and best of luck to you and to Bridgeway Capital. And we'll stay in touch and find out how things are going in a couple months as well. So thank you for your time. Great. Thank you, Kendra. Thank you for joining this exciting episode. We hope this discussion brings you closer to a better, healthier, and more rewarding workplace everyone deserves to be a part of. If you want more content like this, be sure to subscribe to the podcast at turningthecornerllc.com forward slash podcast. 
Don't forget to share this with your friends in the corporate world. And together, let's make this space a hub of growth and job satisfaction. If everyone loves where they are, they can always give their best without regrets. That's all for now. See you on the next one.